and worship team for leading us uh, so wonderfully this morning. Thank you, Michelle, uh, for such a special children's uh, time with us also. Um, if you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, as you also know, uh, during this period of time, we are not uh, collecting an offering. We're not passing a plate uh, during this period of time. Uh, so we want, want to encourage you, for those of you, I know, I know many of you give in other ways besides uh, in the collection plate on Sundays, uh, but if that has been your habit in the past, uh, let me encourage you to give in uh, one of about three other ways. Uh, one, and, and this is related to giving and many other things, we would like for everybody to download the app. You go, go to your app store, find what's called the Church Center app, download that app. And you can give online through that app if you just search and find our church there. Uh, there are other Southern Hills Baptist churches, by the way. There's one in Oklahoma City and actually one in Las Vegas also. Uh, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but not that much. So, so be sure and make sure it's Southern Hills Baptist Church in Tulsa uh, that you are about to give to online. So uh, we encourage you to do that <clears throat> um, through the Church Center app. You can also give by just simply setting up with your bank. Uh, which is a free service, your online bill pay. Uh, you can do that way. Uh, or you can just use the good old-fashioned U.S. mail and mail in a check. But if you've been in the habit of giving uh, through the collection plate some other way on, on Sunday mornings, uh, take the opportunity to change over now to giving online or giving through the mail, one of those ways, or through your bank, as we just said just a moment ago. Okay, how many of you have joined in so far in one of the Zoom group meetings? Can I say, well, I, I see, I'm just teasing. Um, if it's your first time doing this, it may be that your first couple of experiences with Zoom may look a little bit like this. Watch this cartoon here for a moment. Where's the sound? Dave. Dave, I can't hear. your microphone, I can't hear it's, it's not on. Click on the button with the picture of the microphone. Every time a villain calls in, this happens. Hello? Hello? Well, now we can so hear annoying. you, but every we cannot Hello? see you. Every time. That's like talking to my parents. <laughs> Fun with Zoom, right? <laughs> uh, boy, we're we so grateful for that technology that, that's available there. And uh, once again, if you are, are not... Uh, a part of a Zoom experience with your life group. Be sure and check with your life group leader and, uh, and take advantage of this opportunity during this time. If you're not in a life group and you would like to be a part of one, uh, just simply let us know and we can get that set up for you. Well, <clears throat> this past week I, was, um, I went to see my dermatologist for uh, the typical checkup that I do from time to time, you know, as you get this stuff anyway. Um, and uh, as part of our conversation on that morning, it naturally drifted toward what so many people talk about these days, and that is this whole virus stuff. And the, the thing that I was impressed with in that conversation was the expressions that she shared, not only in word, but also in the tone of her voice, that very clearly she was experiencing a lot of anxiety and worry, a lot of anxiety and worry. Now, I know that that is not an unusual experience right now, is it? In fact, let me ask you, what is your, if you were going to use a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of anxiety or worry right now? Are you at a 3, uh, maybe a 5, an 8, a 10, you know? <laughs> what is your level of anxiety and worry? 
I know you've probably heard it in the past, uh, but there is the saying that, you know, most of what we worry about really never happens. Well, I, I actually stumbled across a study this past week uh, where it was, that it was actually quantified. It was a study done by a professor at Penn State University, Dr. Lucas Lafreniere, on worry. And what he did, he, he gathered a bunch of worriers together, and he had them record each day how many times a day they worried about something, how much time they spent worrying about that. And then at 10 p.m. every night, he had them report on what it was that they had, had worried about during the day. And after 20 days of doing this, he had each one review each of those entries and then report whether any of those worries had actually come to pass, had actually come true or not. And what he discovered was that 91.4% of what all those worriers had worried about never happened. 91.4%. Dr. Lafreniere writes, he says, this is what breaks my heart about worry. He says, it sucks the joy out of the here and now as you make yourself miserable worrying about the things that never happen. Again, 91.4% never happen. Uh, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, yeah, Hess, uh, it's that 8.6% that I'm worried about. <laughs> well, Dr. Lafreniere is right, isn't he? Worry sucks the joy out of the here and now. My friends, God does not intend for us to be joyless worriers, plain and simple, plain and simple. The Lord Jesus, in his teaching on what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Please follow along there in your Bibles. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, the audience that Jesus was directly addressing when he actually preached this sermon out on that hillside that day uh, was a demographic of very, very poor people. And so it was very likely that they were consumed with worry on a daily basis about just these basics of life, uh, what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink, what they were going to wear. Now, for you and me, those might not be your primary things that you are worried about. But you can just take whatever it is that you are worried about and plug it right in to this passage so that you, apply, you can apply what Jesus is saying to your life. He continues in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not reap or sow. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, it's not that I need to remind any of us of this, but there are none of us anywhere around the world, unless you're like a hundred and gazillion years old, that have ever experienced a pandemic, ever experienced a global pandemic. As I heard someone say the other day, as a global community, even though we are learning more and more every day about this stuff, what we don't know is still more than what we do know. And not just about the virus, but about its ultimate impact on the global economy and, and so on and so forth. It's what we don't know that causes us to worry, is it not? What we don't know. So let's take just a few moments and talk about perspective, because that's what Jesus is trying to help us with here. You see, perspective can be a very tricky thing. Take a look at this picture. Let me ask you the question. Is this man really kissing and hugging the Leaning Tower of Pizza? <laughs> take a look at this next one. Is this little girl really as tall as the Eiffel Tower? Or how about this next picture? Is this man in London really holding the Big Ben clock tower in his fingers? <laughs> I don't think so. In each of those pictures, there is a foreground and a background. A foreground and a background. I mean, if somebody looked at those pictures and they didn't know anything about either, any of those towers... Without the right perspective, they could mistakenly think that each one of those people were as big as those towers, that those towers were a whole lot smaller than what they really are. But the reality is, if each of those people that we see in the foreground were standing right next to those towers that are in the background, they would look about the size of ants. That's the reality. You see, what Jesus is doing for us here in this teaching is declaring what we do know. Three times he says, do not worry. And notice, he doesn't just say, stop it. No, he puts life in proper perspective. He paints for us a true perspective of the spiritual reality that is the basis for worry-free living by telling us what we do know, what we know about God. That God is a whole lot bigger than anything that th seems to threaten us in the foreground of life. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, For we live by faith, by faith, not by sight. He's saying, for we live on the basis of spiritual reality and not just what we see in the immediate foreground of life. Well, in the midst of this pandemic, we will lose perspective. If all we see, if all we focus on is the foreground, the foreground of our immediate problems and challenges, then we will quickly lose sight 
of the unseen, divine, eternal background that is meant to put everything into proper perspective, the eternal immensity of our God who loves us and cares for us. Listen to Jesus' words again in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, be careful here because Jesus is not saying that we should just adopt a a devil-may-care, say-la-vie attitude toward life. Not at all. Nor is he being dismissive of our immediate cares and needs in the foreground. He just wants us to see the whole picture in proper perspective. We do not have a God who cares more about his birds and his flowers than he does his children. He cares about you and me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God. Because what? For He cares about you. And yes, yes, we have some big needs in the foreground. But Jesus, again, wants us to clearly see that we have a much bigger God who is at work. Verse I spoke about just the other night in one of the little Facebook live videos, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace. What a promise. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, peace is the exact opposite of worry, isn't it? The exact opposite of worry. And the peace that God wants to provide for us in the midst of our anxious times is a very logical peace because it is rooted in His very nature and character. God sees. God hears. God cares. God supplies. That's our God. That's why when Jesus says, don't worry, he means it. He means it. That's why it also, he also means it when he says, so instead of spending all your time worrying, spend your time seeking first the kingdom of God. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. They buy out all the toilet paper at Walmart. (laughs) And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know what? The things we tend to worry about reveal our true priorities sometimes, don't they? The things we worry about are often the things that we're really putting our hope in. That's why Jesus, a little bit earlier in this same chapter, says, Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
Those are the things that have a grip on our hearts. So what does Jesus do? He says, listen, let me give you something else totally different to seek after. Seek after God's kingdom first and his righteousness. Sounds good. But what does that mean? Well, in the context of this pandemic, it means primarily two things for us. First, it means to remember our hope in heaven. Remember our hope in heaven. Now, let's, let's get very real here for a moment, okay? The reality is the worst thing that could happen to us is actually the best thing that could happen to us. We could be one of the 1.8% who die as a result of this stuff and get to go be with Jesus in heaven. <laughs> now, I, I know some of you are thinking, okay, yes, you go first. <laughs> hey, I, <clears throat> I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you that the thought of dying does not make me a little bit anxious. But it's not the process. It's not the process. It, or excuse me, it is more the process and not the end result. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, For me, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. See, this is a great time to ask yourself, not only about this passage, but other verses as well, but it's a great time to ask yourself about that truth. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that to die is gain? Because to seek first his kingdom is to remember that we have hope. We have the hope of heaven. And second, having that security of our hope in heaven, it then frees us to demonstrate the love of God in Jesus Christ in the here and now. You know, I said this last week, but we, we have an unprecedented opportunity. In, in this totally unique time in the history of our world when all people everywhere are fighting the same battle, trying to defeat the same thing all around the globe, we have this opportunity in this shared experience as God's people to demonstrate what it means to have Jesus Christ in our lives as we go through this. It's an incredible opportunity. Dr. Daryl Johnson, who is a professor of pastoral theology at Regent College in Vancouver, has shared some, some great insights as to what that can look like in the midst of this pandemic. For one, as human beings, he says, we are being confronted with the reality of just how vulnerable we are. Boy, isn't that true? So as God's people, we can help other people actually understand that this world is not what God intended it to be. Because of sin, it is a broken world. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about that all creation groans to be set free from the decay that is the result of sin. Creation is groaning right now. Well, second, this virus is a huge reminder that we are not in control of our existence. <laughs> and it forces us to recognize our need for God. Another old theologian 
Dame Bailey writes, The sooner we learn we are not in control of everything, the better it gets for our souls. See, we have the privilege of pointing people to God during this time, of pointing people to Jesus Christ. One of our folks was sharing with me yesterday that the Billy Graham organization is seeing many, many people come to Jesus Christ right now just through a 24-7 prayer line. It's an opportunity to point people to Christ, stay alert to how and where God is at work, and join Him there. Dr. Johnson also suggested that one of those ways that God may be at work during this worldwide shared experience is to minimize our excessive divisiveness and divisions. You know, prior to this pandemic disease, we were going through a, a pandemic of divisiveness in our country over the past few years, to the extent that some were even beginning to talk about things like civil war. But now, we are brought together to fight a common enemy. Many people are learning what it feels like to actually work together for the common good again, to look beyond ourselves to help others. As kingdom-first seekers, we need to lead the way in that. Johnson also points out that although not everyone are going to their knees about this pandemic, many, many people, more than in a very long, long time, are now crying out to God for healing, for healing, for mercy for help. That means that this is a great time to open up a spiritual conversation with someone by just simply asking them, how can I pray for you during this time? Once again, we should lead the way in this. We need help far beyond what our healthcare systems can provide. We need God's help. That's something that's even evident to my little four-year-old grandson named Maddox. The other day, he and his mother, Katie, were taking a walk after dinner. And as they walked through the neighborhood, they were about to pass by the, the neighborhood pool. And Katie said to little Maddox, I sure hope we're going to be able to go swimming in the pool this summer. And this is how little four-year-old Maddox responded. He said, I hope the virus gets defeated soon. I know who will defeat it. Do you? And Katie said, yeah, yes, I, I think so. Who? And Maddox said, God. I'm going to pray to God for him to defeat it. <laughs> well, after they got home, it was bath time. And, as, and, and at that point, Maddox's dad took him into the, to the bathroom to get ready to take a bath, and as they were just about to begin that process, Maddox all of a sudden said, oh, let's pray right now. Well, my daughter fortunately was standing just outside the door with her phone in hand and was able to capture this picture of that moment. Hmm. Psalm 8 verse 2 says, 
From the mouths of little children and infants, you have built a fortress against your opponents to silence the enemy and the avenger. Friends, if not from the mouths of anyone else, from the mouths of children, the enemy of this, the enemy of this virus will be silenced. It will be defeated through prayer. In just a moment, I want to pray a benediction over you. But let me encourage, before you leave this time together after the final closing song, to discuss two questions. One, what are you most worried about? What are you most worried about? And then the second question is this. What do you think, in light of all we've talked about, in light of, God's, of Christ's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount here, what do you think God would say to you about that worry? I'm talking about more than just stop worrying. What do you think God would say to you about it? Okay. Now let me pray. From 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. May the Lord himself who is our source of peace, give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.